This week on Next in Marketing, I spoke with Todd Braverman, SVP of WarnerMedia's Portfolio Sales and Client Partnerships. Todd and I talked about why advertisers are taking an entirely new approach to advertising and streaming services, which is born out of his company's high-stakes launch of HBO Max with ads this past year. Todd and I also spoke about how brands are clamoring to reach people in real-life events this summer as hopefully the pandemic starts to subside. And we talked about the challenge of calculating ROI for big tentpole events. Let's get started. Everything we know about the media, marketing, and advertising business is being completely upended thanks to technology and data. We're talking with some of the top industry leaders as they steer their companies through constant change. Welcome to Next in Marketing, presented by AppsFlyer. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Marketing. My guest this week is Todd Braverman. Todd is the SVP of Warner Media Portfolio Sales and Client Partnerships. Hey, Todd, thanks for being here. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. It's a good time to chat with you. You're kind of uh, coming off of CES a couple of weeks ago, very different one, and you're and it's already sort of upfront season or talk about upfront season. So lots to discuss in our world. But um, why, why don't we just start with there, that? Your job sounds like it's the you, you do the kind of stuff that isn't just day to day, but those are like big sweeping partnerships or that involve a lots of, a lot of parts of the company. That's my guess, at least when, when I hear portfolio, tell us about your gig. Yeah. So it, it's awesome. Yes. To answer your question, you know, the CES part of it definitely was a little different this year and we are a hundred percent right in the middle of uh, upfront season, which continues to be all the time. But um, I'll, I'll give a little background uh, on myself. I, I started on the agency side um, working at uh, Mediacom back in the day um, cool. Did that for a few years. Figured I wanted to make a side over to the, make a move over to the publisher side, and um, it was great. You know, I got great experience on the agency side. Kind of learned how that business worked. Um, made a move over to TV Guide, which uh, at the time was, you know, a, wow, a TV Guide. Of, I don't think you, yeah, exactly a name you don't hear very often. And once you, couldn't have been more dominant know. in my life at some at some point. Exactly. And um, while we had the magazine, we also had, um, you know, a TV guy channel before digital was digital, where people would actually sit at their house and watch a scroll go round and round um, yes. before they actually figured out what was on television. But it, it was a cool experience. I was there for almost eight years. And um, I, I always say we were a little bit ahead of our time because we actually had the abilities to do addressable, a one to one conversation because every cable system was different. So right. if you were in L.A., NBC might have been a different channel than you were if you were in New York. So it was that one-to-one, you know, communication that we had the ability, to, the ability to do, which was uh, truly, truly amazing. But um, you know, then made a move over to Warner Media, um, which at the time was Turner, uh, Turner Broadcasting, yep. and uh, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a great role. And definitely, things have evolved, no question about it. But um, yeah, my job today, um, it's a wild one, um, like everybody's job these days, um, working. You know, working from home, coming into the office every now and then. But uh, yeah, we oversee the team, oversees the entire portfolio of Warner Media. So I like to say it's kind of the cradle to the grave. So when I say the cradle, we've got networks like Boomerang and Cartoon Network, um, and then we have you know everything from TBS to Adult Swim to TNT, um, CNN, Headline News, um, and then obviously our digital platforms with H- which with HBO Max, obviously being the bright shiny object. That I'm sure we'll get into yeah, a little bit. Definitely want to ask you about that one. It's a topic of great interest. Um, so is that I guess how much of your life is brands that want to target an audience and use a bunch of your different properties as part of one big buy that you know involves a digital and boomerang and, and sports. How much of it is I want to create a special custom event using a bunch of DCIP and never been done before. And I want it to be in the metaverse or whatever, you know, like I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like how much of it is the big custom deals versus just cross channel packaging kind of stuff? 
Yeah, it, it, it's probably split. It just depends on the, on the advertiser. But um, th- those types of partnerships have truly evolved over the years. You know, when you think about what like a, a big uh, portfolio deal would have been, it would have been maybe some on-air billboards, maybe some other things that went, but it was mainly primarily on, on television, on the screen. And th- those have definitely changed um, over the years. It, it's, it's kind of fascinating how we bring these programs together um, from both the internal standpoint, but also from our client standpoint. Um, they're definitely different based on the program. So like you said, we have traditional buys. People just want to reach mass scale have the big reach with our GRPs like a TBS and a TNT, um, we'll continue to do those things. And we can do big programs around that. So we have the SAG Awards coming up, airing on TBS yep. and TNT um, in a few months. We do you know great things on air with our sponsors, but it's definitely evolved and it's definitely morphed into something bigger. Um, it could be events. Um, we do the Adult Swim Festival, um, which is a huge event, tying everything with Adult Swim. We'll bring partners in. So there's an on-air component. There's a digital component. And that digital component isn't just our O&O anymore. It could be, what are we doing on TikTok? What are we doing on Instagram? What are we doing on Facebook? But then obviously, now consumers can feel and touch this thing. You yeah. can actually go to LA, go to this festival in this huge stadium, have all these different touch points, have brands associated, interacted with it, interacting with them. And it truly becomes a little bit more valuable to the advertiser because not only do they still get the scale across Adult Swim on air, and then obviously the digital extensions that come along with it, but they actually get to feel and touch their brands. So it, it truly is uh, pretty remarkable how the portfolio evolution has changed over the years from being, you know, sponsorships on TV brought to you buys mm-hmm. to this now, you know, really extending with no limits. Well, it's interesting. You, you and I were talking offline about doing more things in person. I wonder, you know, there, there seemed to be like, like around last summer, there was a real fervor among brands that I want to do exper- experiential stuff because people are going out again. And then obviously things have been up and down and up and down since. But uh, I'm just reading like a, a lot of the a lot of the festivals this summer are going to have fewer COVID restrictions. People, we, we feel like we're turning a little bit of a corner maybe. Like, is there is there a big renewed interest among brands of like, I want to be at places where people are going to be out. People are going to be, you know, dying to get together again. Is that like, is there, are you seeing that? Like the Adult Swims events type just blowing up right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it. I think there's that pent up demand to actually be with other human beings and be with these brands. So, you know, absolutely. We, we've, we always bring brands. So, you know, the big ones for us, for our younger brands are a San Diego Comic-Con. We have South by Southwest coming up um, where we will have a pretty big presence there with CNN Plus, which we can get into a, a little bit later, as well as HBO Max. They'll both have a presence at South by Southwest. Um, so, yeah, th- those footprints and how we can interact with our brands, but also with the consumers it is tremendous. So yeah, we, we definitely see pent up demand. We, we've also had success though on the virtual side of things. So, you know, when COVID first hit, we had a virtual, you know, DC fandom, um, which was huge and it was global. It wasn't just in the US and people were able who maybe potentially couldn't have gotten to whatever that may have been, right. were able to experience the brand there. So um, yeah, I think any way that we can touch the consumers can touch the brands is definitely something that our brands are asking for. It's interesting to think about that. I, I don't doubt that there's a huge appetite for that among advertisers, but it's weird to match that up or to think about how in the past couple of years, the push towards data being more data-driven and accountability just accelerated like crazy thanks to the pandemic. Uh, are, are those judged are those judged in like a very different way and different are they treated as a different category with goals or are brands? putting more pressure on you. I want to, I want to tie this together with all the other stuff I'm doing on with retail media and CTV of things that are much far more inherently trackable. Like, is that, is that a push and pull you're seeing or is it really different? 
Um, it, it definitely is. And I think, you know, being held accountable, you know, by our brands and by our customers is gotten to a fever pitch. There's no question about that. We are definitely being challenged to show something works. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's the expression 50% of the advertising works. I just don't know which 50% it is. Um, but from this standpoint, we definitely are willing to do deals, guarantee deals on different types of measurement. There, there's no question about that. And again, we, we can we can dive into the measurement conversation, which is definitely a hot topic right now. But as it relates to some of these bigger partnerships, um, attribution, and it's funny, we had probably might've been four upfronts ago, we, we announced what we called provable ROI. And in essence, that was attribution at the time. Right. And so we've always been on the forefront of guaranteeing on things beyond just Nielsen age sex demo ratings. Like we want to guarantee on results and we're willing to do that. And I think the key to that is to make sure that all the right people are in the room and we are literally all working off the same horizon. So, you know, it, it's very difficult to go to an event and be like, how many, how many, how many cheeseburgers did Wendy sell at the adult yeah, festival yeah. or how many hot fries, you know, which is what the product was, you know, for the adult festival a couple of years ago in doing that. So we truly just need to make sure that everybody's on the same page, whether it's the agency, whether it's the client and whether it's our team and the research team to truly be able to understand what's the baseline and what's the, you know, KPI that those right. brands want to, <clears throat> but absolutely they do want to make sure that there is success because look, these 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 things aren't getting cheaper. You know, you want to go to one of these big events, whether it's a festival, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, they're definitely expensive. Yeah, and brands are not inclined to just be like, "Well, it was cool, so I'm good with that." Like they they're going to want to have some kind of some kind of ROI attached to things. Um, getting coming back to where where you were, you were, we started talking about it's you know mid late February. CES was obviously really different this year because it was such you know it was a last minute scramble to decide people are going to go or not. It's usually like a, Historically, it's been like a tone setter for the for the industry, where their clients talk about their big goals. There, this the, you you look at the big trends coming out of the year: consumer electronics, technology, stuff like that. Can you was there a, like a big theme coming out of there, or a big message? Even even though it was so just unusual and kind of atypical. Yeah, I mean, we've had what we like to either call top to top meetings with with all of our agency partners, with all of our clients. Um, we're in the process of doing them right now. Um, but what's coming out of them is definitely from our standpoint, everybody wants to talk about HBO Max. Um, sure. It has just been a product and platform that has, has exploded onto the market and it's been extremely successful for us. Um, folks want to talk about RIP. If you look at the breadth of what Warner Media is, it's a hundred years of history. It's, it's actually this year is the hundredth birthday anniversary, however you want to look at it, um, of Warner Brothers. So, you know, all the IP that we have across the board is, is amazing. So that is definitely something folks want to talk about. And then the thing that the entire industry is talking about is alternative measurement. Um, measurement has become a hot topic. You know, I had already two conversations this morning about it with uh, some of our agency partners and clients. And it is something that everybody wants to dive into, wants to get a better understanding. Um, panel data has you know been something that we've done, but there's definitely you know some some imperfections there. And I think as us as publishers and as our advertising partners and our clients, we just want to get smarter and we want to be able to deliver results um, across screen, not just on television in isolation, not just in streaming platforms in isolation, not just on folks' digital O and O, but how does it look across all of those screens together and really measure for both reach and frequency and then taking it a step further, attentive, attentiveness. So that it sounds, at the, on the one hand, the way, at least if we're talking about television and multi-platform television, it's getting it's obviously getting far more interesting and you're going to be able to sort of prove your worth in a variety of different ways, but it seems inherently, it's just really complicated or it seems like it's going to be 
there's no, the, last year seemed like a return to you know normal maybe with the upfront. This year seems like it's going to be increasingly challenging or complicated, and you're going to have like five different currencies in the market or something potentially. How do you guys like balance all that and figure out you know can because you it doesn't seem like you can go in one direction this year and just have a way of doing things. Like everything's right. going to be yeah, different. We- yeah, we, we, you know, we, we announced several, you know, kind of new measurement partners um, recently. If, you, if you've been keeping up with the Warner Media, you know, data and research side, um, Comscore, iSpot and VideoAmp are those three alternative measurement companies that we are going right. to test with. Um, really just to test at this point. Um, we've spoken to all our agency partners to get an understanding of what they want to learn um, in addition to what we want to learn. Because we don't want to just go out there and say, hey, these are our three partners this is how we want to do it. The way we look at the entire market and not just when it comes to measurement, but when it comes to everything is what is, what do you as an advertiser want out of us? And then let's figure out how that partnership works. So, you know, we're going to take a pretty uh, prescriptive approach to exploring those measurement partners um, across the industry. But at this point, you know, we're looking to test and, you know, as we get into the upfront, I I really don't see a world where 90% of our business is being done on alternative measurement. Nielsen is still, there um, and we will use it, but we will also lean into those partners and those agencies that want to lean into it. So do you think there was an interesting digital piece recently on this topic? It, it seems like the consensus going in and it's going to be an evolving is that a lot of companies are going to use alternative measurements almost as like a backup, like they'll still buy the majority of their inventory on Nielsen because it's still the standard currency. And then they'll sort of double check everything else with an iSpot or with somebody else. Is that how you imagine it going or is it going to really be yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're going to vary, again, depending on what the advertiser wants or what the agency wants. Um, we, we don't really want to take a look back. We want to look forward. And I think that's a big, big difference from some of the publishers out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be a handful of advertisers at a handful of agencies that want to do this. And they want to learn, you know, there, there's two sides to that. So you've got like kind of the counting side of reach, reach and frequency and measuring that. And then you have currency. And I think, you know, figuring out what the advertising partners want that's where we're going to lean into it. And we're going to, you know, we're going to put together the best thing for our partners while getting a better understanding of the overall measurement marketplace because right. we want to be leaders there. Right. Aside from the measurement conversation, it's obviously that we've seen viewership change radically, um, just consumption patterns overall. So the last couple of years, you know, more streaming, more gaming, just more time on with digital properties, more, more on demand usage overall. Anything that you can share that, that might be surprising or interesting going into this year that you guys are you're emphasizing with clients with different demographics, different different viewership patterns you're seeing? Yeah, um, I think in the beginning of COVID, everybody's traditional television rating skyrocketed. Everybody was home. They didn't know what to do. They put the television on um, and, and we went from there. The linear traditional television marketplace has kind of settled back into reality. Um, I think, you know, if you look at last year's upfront, we actually had on some networks more supply because our ratings were up. Mm-hmm. I think that has now come back into to reality. Um, but, you know, from an ad sales perspective, we also added new supply with HBO Max in the AVOD, in the AVOD, yep. in the AVOD form. So mm-hmm. a year ago, we didn't have AVOD. We just had the SVOD. So subscription only, you know, the $14.99 for um, HBO Max. Then last June, we launched an AVOD product and that gave us an enormous amount of supply. Um, look, as the product launched with uh, zero subs, we eventually have grown that, you know, over the last, I guess we're now eight months in and it's been extremely successful. So what we've seen is that ad supported content on those streaming services are really popular. It's actually dominating the top 10 shows that people are consuming right now. Interesting. Um, so it, it's from that standpoint, it's been really good. We're seeing tremendous amount of engagement um, 
on HBO Max, but our linear networks, we're still, we're still chugging along, you know, and mm-hmm. linear is definitely not dead. It is the way that we are going to, you know, reach a ton of people in a very short period of time. It's just now how, now we have this beautiful complement of HBO Max with different types of content as well. All right. So let's talk about HBO Max. Again, it's, it's, it's pretty early. There's obviously a lot of demand for it. it, it there was a time a couple of years ago, if you go back, like uh, there was, a, the thinking was you're this generationally, you're seeing a shift that, um, Younger people, especially, don't have. They grew up on Netflix. There's no tolerance for advertising. You know, like interruptive is never going to work. And now you've seen you've seen Avod explode. But this was a very carefully, carefully executed, calculated way of bringing advertising into HBO. HBO was almost unthinkable ten years ago. Like, can you talk about what you've seen so far? How how intensive and deliberate you've been there, and maybe what brands are experiencing? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you nailed it. We. This was not like, hey, let's just start a streaming service and see what happens. Like HBO is a brand that has, to your point, been super protected, super premium. And the fact that we're now being able to bring advertising into a platform that has HBO content um, was really important. And, you know, from from the ad sales team, the product is continuing to scale, like I said, and our top priority really is to unlock you know, bigger and greater opportunities for the agencies and the marketers to connect with fans in this premium environment. So, you know, we're doing it right, but we have by far the lowest ad load across any streaming product. So, you know, you're never going to see more than two spots in, in any ad break. And the ad product is really, I think, what has driven the Avod product, because again, it's dynamic. So if there's two 15s, your break is only 30 seconds. If it's two 30s, your break is only, you know, a minute long we're never going to be longer than a minute in any break. So I think the way that consumers are interacting with the product, the advertising aspect of it is reciprocal. They're like, all right, I get it. You know, uh, yeah. we're giving, we're, we want to give consumers choice. Especially as we've seen people get, get bombarded and driven crazy by the frequency of things. And as this medium is really taken off. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, you know, I think the ability that we're going to have that we've had the lowest ad load in the market, um, in the streaming, in the streaming space that that has been the appetite that for consumers to say, look, we want to give them choice. You can get the SVOD product and pay $15 or $14.99, or you can get the AVOD product and pay a little bit less. Once people try that, and now we have content parity. So as we went into 2022, everything that is on the AVOD product is also on the SVOD product. Right. Um, so it, it's a huge, it, it's been a huge success for us. And again, it opens up different conversations um, with our advertise, with our agencies and our advertising partners. And can you get into, because I know that you guys have uh very, you know, you, there, there are some somewhat standard units in HBO Max with ads, but then you have some very customized placements. Right? Can you can you kind of talk about the menu right now? Yeah, so we we launched in 2021. A um, lot of testing, trying to understand what formats, foundational formats, are going to work, and that's kind of what we talked about with the dynamic ads. Um, but you know, HBO approach that we've taken is, is really paying off. Um, people like the experience. So we wanted to make sure that whatever ad products we bring to them, the experience still meets their expectations and they continue to um, stay on there. So, you know, the ad breaks are shorter. We're reaching new audiences with the AVOD and the the goal is to really maintain that satisfaction level. So the formats that we have right now, the the signature product is something we call the brand block. Um, It features sponsored content takeover. So basically a takeover of some sort of of content that we have. Um, This product definitely works. We've done a ton of research around it. Um, Almost three quarters of the folks that we've asked when we did some of this research research appreciate that the brands made their ad experience shorter and it didn't interrupt the content. So from from that standpoint, it's really important that 
again, any product we bring matters. So brand blocks is kind of the key. We've had that up and running. Um, content sponsorships, that's going to be something that is new in 2022. Um, this is going to provide marketers an exclusive opportunity to sponsor select HBO Max original series. Um, so whether that's the flight attendant um, or, or a different show, um, that's going to be able to bring brands closer. So what, they'll own a whole season or this episode is brought to you by Ford or something like that? How will that look? Exactly. We, we can do season, we can do shows. Um, but yes, they, they would own that content that typically we've never let anybody really own. Look, we're not going to have an ownership of Euphoria right now because that's an HBO original, but an HBO Max original, those are the things that we're going right. to be able to do. What we want to accomplish is fan engagement. We want people in this research we've showed is that people who see a brand with their favorite show have a higher affinity for that. Sure. Like that, it's pretty simple. And that's what we really want to dive into. You kind of hinted at this um, when you were, you mentioned your, your tenure at TV guide and how they're, that, that company is kind of ahead of its time. We're, as we're seeing like these more thoughtful approaches to CTV advertising, like do you, do you think we're going to see interactivity on television take off at some point? Like that's been, there's been attempts at this for a long time and, it, and consumers have been sort of not sure if they want to interact with brands with their remotes or the voice. But I wonder, I wonder if you think that's changing anytime soon. Yeah. So look, I agree. We started with kind of like that ACR technology and, you know, voice recognition. Um, we at Warner Media, we, we created something that has a much more um, a better name now, excuse me, than what we initially called it. But we called it something called an on-air bug, mm -hmm. um, which basically we started it with Adult Swim. The Adult Swim logo was always on in the bottom right hand corner. And for the first time, we changed that Adult Swim logo to an actual brand logo. And again, it was just a logo at the time. It was actually measured by Nielsen. So we could, we could give metrics back to our advertising partners. And what's evolved there is we now run that across all of our networks and we can do QR codes. So it can be an advertiser X and then it, sh it shifts to a QR code and a person can scan it and they can say, hey, I like what they're wearing on television for inside the NBA. How do I get those sneakers? How do I get that shirt? So from that standpoint, interactivity becomes a bigger part. We're seeing it broader across, as you mentioned, the CTV space where we can do more things. I think that, yes, there is an appetite to do more there whether it's couponing, whether it's being able to purchase things. But again, we, we just haven't seen it in scale across the entire marketplace yet. But I do think, you know, as technology continues to evolve, that that, that product and that brand will, uh, yeah. brand product will, will continue I mean, it's, to evolve. It's, it's a, you're asking consumers to adopt a different behavior, which, you know, takes takes time. But I think, you know, you, I wonder if we'll start seeing that more with, as people use more more, vo more voice search and different different, inter different interactions on the screen. Um Stuff like that. You mentioned earlier, uh, like the the number of deals you're doing that involve stuff that is, or, or you know, stuff that is not necessarily on your owned and operated properties. Like you'll you'll have a partnership that uh, that brings in things on TikTok and other platforms. How are how how often is that coming to fruition? And then are those a challenge to execute and manage from a measurement standpoint, ROI standpoint? When they're it's not all the stuff that you necessarily control. There's a lot of players in the in those in those deals. Yeah, it definitely makes it a little bit more challenging from a measurement standpoint. But again, our, our goal is to make sure that the marketer reaches their consumer, wherever that is, whether it's on our O and O or whether it's on one of our branded channels within TikTok or within YouTube. Um, so yeah, we, we, I would say that, you know, most of our marketing deals have those legs or extensions that, you know, you know, I, Everybody likes to use the word omni-channel, like, oh, it touches all those things. Like, I think it's a little bit of a dated word, but at the end of the day, like, we do want to make sure that our advertising partners are reaching those consumers. Because if you just try to reach 
reach the consumers that just sit in one platform or product, you're missing out tremendously, especially because right. some of those products and platforms are younger. Right. So while you know television typically you know reaches a little bit of an older audience, HBO Max definitely a younger audience. Obviously, any of our you know channels that exist um, across some of those other platforms usually are, are typically are younger. So again. Anywhere we can reach those consumers, that's where we want to be, and that's where we want our advertisers to be. Let's let's jump back to where you, we were talking earlier about how your career started, and you you start you started on the agency side. A lot of people make that move where they start out um, in media buying, planning, and then jump into 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 the ad sales world a little bit. Like what, what can, like what what was different about the agency business back then and today? If you could think about that, and what and what do you think? What, what how did that pay off in your career? Learn like you know that education early on. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we're, we're, we're north of 20 years now back um, when I was on the agency side, but and it was way different. There, there, you know, the, there was no streaming services. There was not these different platforms that exist today. We're you talking know, about Facebook. programmatic a whole lot, probably. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so from, from that standpoint, it was way different. I mean, your, your day parts were you had primetime, you had cable, you had syndication. Like that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, I was fortunate enough to work on a, a myriad of different brands. Um which gave me different exposure and different experiences, you know, buying sports, buying syndication, buying cable. Um, and, and buying you know, was very distinct from planning. If I, if I remember those days. Absolutely. You had your buyers and you had your planners. Um, the way we interact with our agencies is we love to get the buyers and the planning teams and the strategy teams in the room together. Cause that, that what typically happens is a lot of, a lot of times is the, the strategy teams and the planning teams knows what's coming way down the pike where the investment teams are like, all right, I don't know what's happening today. I know what's happening today. I don't know what's happening in six months from now. So the more we can bring them all together, um, usually the more successful the partnership becomes. Okay. So then, and then you, when you, when you find your way, I know we're jumping past TV guide here, but when you, when you come over to Turner, obviously that's a really, you know, that's, that's, that feels like a uh, 20, 20 different waves in the industry ago. Like, you know, what, what was that? What was the ride like when you, when you start there and then where things have ended up today? In terms of the way that business is done, the way that the industry operates, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, you know, I've been here 14 years now. Um, it's been an unbelievable ride. I've had a lot of different, you know, quote unquote jobs or you know experiences here. You know, whether it's dealing with our network partnership, um, our network partners, uh, you know, the folks at the networks, whether that was Adult Swim or Cartoon Network, which is kind of where I started. Um, but also the way we went to market. You know, we we were very siloed. We had our Kids and Family, which was Cartoon and Adult Swim. We had our news group. We had our sports group. Like these were all different. Now we've kind of approached it way differently from a portfolio standpoint because, you know, an advertiser wants to come in. And back then they would say, okay, I want to touch sports. I want to touch news. I want to touch entertainment and I want to touch kids. You talk to four different people. Now we have the opportunity where we have the ability to really you know, kind of thread the needle throughout the entire portfolio. So that, that, that's big, been the biggest change, but you know, this place is, it, it's amazing because we're always evolving. You know, we want to know what's next. We always want to be the leaders um, when it comes to new things. So whether it is those in-program graphic ads that we had on air, whether it is kind of, you know, attribution approvable ROI, we, I, I love this place because we're always looking, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Well, always, but also maintaining our core and being very successful at that. Right. So it's, it's been an amazing ride. Um, but there, there's no question over the last 14 years, there's definitely been, um, you know, a lot of change in regards to a, what we have to sell and, you know, the products that we have to sell and, and B, just the, you know, the brands that we have within the portfolio to sell, which is awesome. How do you figure that out? Like you want to be, you're right. You always want to be on the next thing. Um, but right, you know, right now you're going through this monster transition of your core business, right? And you're talking about these alternative currencies. You got, you got to sit there and say, okay, we got to, we got to get that right. 
do we have to, do we need to have a presence on TikTok and on, you know, Discord and every other emerging channel? Do we do we need to invest in the metaverse right now? Do we need to get it, you know, build something or do we need to wait? Like how do you guys balance those things and figure that out over time? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's, we do a cost analysis where you, you obviously have to maintain the core. Um, you know, Tony Gonzalez, who, who runs the runs the entire group, you know, he says that, you know, the, the, the core fuels everything else. So as long as we continue to be successful with our core business, that will fuel different opportunities where we can test, we can learn, we can measure, we can get involved into different things like the metaverse, um, which, again, different brands want to be involved in, or at different stages. You know, an adult swim was very early into gaming, very early into virtual reality. Um, whereas, you know, maybe a TNT may not have been. And again, it just depends on what those, what the content is on those brands. But at, at the end of the day, we will continue to, you know, keep the core driving, driving forward, but also make sure that we're, we're not missing things because at the end of the day, we have amazing IP that lives everywhere. And wherever that IP is, we want to be because we know the consumers are there and that's where advertisers want. You, you brought up gaming a couple of times. Obviously, that's been a, it's been a humongous category for a long time, but it's really uh, blown up the last couple of years. Brands, I, I still feel like they're, they're, they don't exactly know how to enter that space or not, not all of them know how to get started. It's not that very easy to just buy a bunch of ads and huge gaming titles. You guys have been in and around that world with... Uh, Esports and just and presence on different platforms and like what what is the what are you what are you telling brands or what what brands what are brands talking about right now with you in terms of how to get into that space the right way? Yeah, I I think you nailed it. That you got to get in it the right way. Like nobody wants to. You know, no, no, nobody playing gaming wants to see a 30 second spot. Like that's not the way that you're going to be successful interacting, in, in, interacting with gamers. So, you know, we, again, try to tie things around our IP. So, you know, we, Rick and Morty is, you know, the number one show. It's amazing. Um, we created a Rick and Morty game and we figured out ways to get brands, you know, integrated into those games in, in the right way where, again, it goes back to, you know, the consumer experience. We want to make sure that we're putting the customer first and we want to make sure that we don't want advertising you're not, you know, not going to shove that into call of duty or something it doesn't make sense it, exactly like it has to make sense for the advertiser obviously but it has to make sense for the consumer we don't want people to go be playing one of our games and have a disruptive experience because of a brand like or because of an advertising marketer we want to make sure that that experience is additive in everything that we do uh i want to ask you there was a uh my kids and i were getting excited the other day watching this like this dc kind of it was like a multi property trailer for all the big all the big events coming up this year i imagine that like this like between the batman and there's a flash movie and and the black adam which features the rock like i imagine there's a ton of interest right now in like i want to do something with dc i want to be attached to that to that universe what what are some things coming up with um that we should talk about event wise and what are what are brands how are brands coming to you trying to attach themselves to that ip and that event that you got going on or series of yeah, events DC Yep, the DC fandom has has been a huge success for us. Um, you know, like I said, the the first one that we did recently was uh, virtual. Um, you know, that we now want to do some not just virtual, but maybe hybrid and, and do some more things. So again, DC has the biggest brands and you know IP in the world. Like you said, we have the Batman movie coming, which is tremendous and, and huge. So again, we're trying to figure out ways that we can get brands to and marketers to be associated with that. And you know, we have a you know a bunch of different opportunities that we can do um, across DC fandom. Um, you know, one thing that we have done is, you know, we've done, you know, kind of a, a 
franchise first approach and bringing IP um, with the Milestone Initiative. Um, this is a newer program that we collaborated with Ally Bank, um, which you know aimed to identify support and elevate emerging diverse writers and artists with the comic book industry. Um, the Milestone initially, Initiative really launched at DC Fandom back in 2021. Um, so again, like those are ways that we want to bring advertisers in um, and do it in a different way that is meaningful to, again, the customer, but also to the marketer. All right, I want to. Todd, I want this is terrific, and I, I want to. I want to wrap on this note. Are there, are there any other, you know, huge events coming up this year that we should keep an eye on? Or are there any? Are there bigger portfolio packages that are coming down the road that are, are going to kind of define the, what success for you guys this year? The brand should be kind of aware of. Yeah, I mean, IP will continue to be huge for us. As I mentioned earlier, this is Warner Brothers' hundredth anniversary, hundredth birthday. Um, so if you think about all the IP that has existed over the last hundred years, like. We will be celebrating our birthday, um, you know, in, in a way, you know, more to come on that. But th- there is no question that that's going to be a big thing. Adult Swim Festival will be something that we, you know, lean into again. I guess this is probably now the fourth year that we're doing Adult Swim Festival, um, third or fourth year. So that will continue to be big. I mentioned the SAG Awards, which are coming up in, in a couple months. So, you know, across the portfolio, we will have a, a ton of uh, things to talk about. Um, obviously, this is a midterm election year. So on the news front, we will have that yep. as well. So, you know. Whether you're talking about some of the things that we're doing um, on Cartoon Network, uh, Teen Titans Go was just announced at TCA, um, I think yesterday or two days ago. So from the youngest stuff on Cartoon Network to the you know the older stuff on the on the news side of the house, um, and then we have you know our premieres. We, we have amazing shows that are returning um, on our regular legacy you know traditional portfolio of networks, but also you know a lot of things that are going to be uh, continuing to you know show up on the HBO Max platform. So again, whether it's Cartoon Network. The Adult Swim, HBO Max, CNN, wherever it is, we definitely, uh, we definitely will have something you know that we'll be able to talk about with our with our advertising partners. There's a Wonder Twins movie in development. I read the other day, which 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 blew me away. So that'll have to see what what brands want to respond to that down the road. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Todd, thanks so much for for great conversation. Hopefully, we'll, we'll chat again down the road. But great, great, great catching up here. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me. I, I I do appreciate that. So thank you. Thank have you. a great day. All right, take care. A big thanks to my guest this week, Todd Braverman, SVP of Warner Media's Portfolio Sales and Client Partnerships, and of course, my partners, the AppsFlyer. If you like this episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit the subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more on what's next in marketing.